Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Our veterans put everything on the line to protect our freedom. We may never be able to repay them for their sacrifice, but we can show them just how much we appreciate all they've done. You can help by simply sharing your time, lending a warm smile, a supportive hand, or a sympathetic ear to someone who needs it. Everyone can do something to make veterans know just how much we appreciate their service. Please visit www.volunteer.va.gov. What will you do? Good morning, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter, at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. You can also email me, um, Saturdays with Joy Keys at hotmail.com. And if you miss a show or you come in the middle and you're like, oh, I want to hear what happened, all the shows are archived, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google, as well as here at Blog Talk Radio. Just look up my name and the show guest or the show topic, and it should come up uh, in Google uh, search. I also want to thank people who have donated to the show. You can donate to the show via PayPal. It's Saturdays with Joy Keys uh, via PayPal. And thank you again for, for your donations. This morning, I have a returning guest. She was on here before. Um, she wrote a novel called Time of the Locust, and that's what we discussed before. Uh, it was a 2012 finalist for the Penn Bellwether Prize, long listed for the 2015 Penn Bingham Prize, and a 2015 NAACP Image Award nominee. Well, now she has a second book, Creatures of Passage, and it's even like going further than the first book, It's Gaines Award for Literary Excellence. It was a 2021 notable book selection by NPR and the Washington Post. She's here today to talk about that and much more. Uh, Good morning, Maroa Um, Yejide. Did I say that correctly? You did. Good morning, Joy. Good morning. I was, like, nervous. I was afraid people I was going to get her last name wrong. Um, (laughs) But, uh, uh, you know, it happens. So I just want to say thank you again for agreeing to come on for a second time to talk about this new book. Wow, wow, wow. Again, I really enjoyed it. Um, You know, it's magic, fantasy, maybe sci-fi, all the stuff blended in together. But the cool thing is it's dealing with, you know, mostly African-American characters. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about it, what's going on in Creatures of Passage? Sure. So Creatures of Passage is what I just call literary fiction. It's genre bending. There's a lot of stuff in it, as you say. But it's essentially about a uh, makeshift um, cab driver in D.C. It's set in 1977. And it's really about her travels through um, life, her, her passengers that get in her car, the journeys that they take, um, and at the center of that story is her uh, estranged uh, family, what's left of it anyway. And so a community comes together uh, to save her great nephew. That's it now, in a nutshell. You... No, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. So, so before when you were on here, your other book was dealing with autism, 
prison industrial complex, Vietnam, you know, family relations. Um, so we had some heavy topics there. This is, is, is also dealing with some – I actually had to, I had, to, I had to put it down at a certain point because yeah. – yeah. I, I, Mercy, I, 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 I was like, okay, I, I gotta put this down. I can't. I, I need, I need like a drink right now. I don't even drink. I, I need a goddamn <laughs> drink or something. But um, let's talk about you and uh, the writing. How did you get into writing? Was there a catalyst? Like said, I'm going to be a writer. Did you do poetry before? What, what was the how, when you were a kid? Did you like, I'm going to be a writer? You know, it's odd. I I didn't, um, I wasn't thinking that when I was a kid, but I did know that I liked words. I liked to work with words and I liked how words could invoke images in the mind. And so if I think far, far enough back, ironically, my um, fascination with image driven writing started um, as a very young girl watching my mother paint. My mother used, was a painter, um, oil on canvas. So I used to sit next to her, watch her, watch her paint. And, you know, that, that was her medium. My medium became um, not paint but words. So light and shadow, color. This is why there's a lot of color in, the, in Creatures of Passage. Um, there's a lot of light. There's a lot of shadow. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of evil. Um, and I think thematically, I was always fascinated with um, ways to convey something in, in a multi-layered way. I like multi-layered stories where, yes, Creatures of Passage does deal with a lot of very real issues that um, impact uh, the African-American community, um, historical uh, conflicts and family conflicts, um, predators within a community and heroes within a community. Um, and I was really, you know, trying to paint uh, a picture of a community, for lack of, a, of another word, um, through storytelling, showing the complexity of the community um, in all its horror and all of its majesty. Mm-hmm, definitely. Now, you have children, and in the book, there uh, is a young boy named Dash, and we follow his story. How do you talk to your sons about keeping faith as an African-American mother? Because, you know, we have to have the talk. Have you had the talk with them? I'm not sure what their ages are, but uh, what did you have a talk with them or your husband have a talk? What, and what was said? Yeah, you know, it's it's ironic. There's, well, the, our boys are are much older now. That you know, they're they're in college and grad school and and all of that. But um, Time of the Locust also had a boy at the center, as does Creatures of Passage. And for me, uh, maybe it's subconscious, you know. But my husband and I, you know, that the saving the boy was always, you know, it, it's a theme of of our everyday dinner conversation. And so, you know, as they were growing up, and even now, you know, the talk continues because there's different dangers at different ages. As young black males, they have a whole new set of dangers and predators, um, both legitimate and illegitimate um, in this country. So that conversation is ongoing. And I think as a mom, 
you know, that never goes away. The concern, this is why there's the refrain in, in Creatures of Passage, you know, things can, you and I know that things can happen to a boy. And that's a very yeah. real thing for me. You know, every time they walk out the door, every time they they go um, on any endeavor. What about you when you were growing up? Do you feel, what, what was said to you? Or were you concerned about that? Did you feel that you had more freedom when you were growing up and less worry when you were growing up? You know, it's weird to look back. I try to, through storytelling, look through the eyes of of a child. And I think much of Dash's experience of Washington, D.C. was is my experience looking at it through the lens of a, of a child where you're not necessarily aware of all of the dangers. You know that something, um, you know, you may have a feeling that something's wrong, but you're not necessarily sure of what it is. For my, um, I mean, this is fiction, obviously, <laughs> creatures of passage. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I was a, I was an only child, and it, my father was very protective of me. My mom was always there for me. So, you know, I kind of had, and I'm sure they went through more than I can imagine trying to um, create a stable uh, home and you know insulate as much as possible but then you know you have to talk to you can't you can't live in this country and not be exposed to the the spectrum of of dangers and horrors that the um you know really the permanent emergency state that that many african americans generationally have had to live under so it's not like Mm -hmm. um you know children are not blind (laughs) um but the important thing i think is context for us um, in, in, in terms of real life, talking to uh, the challenges that our young people are faced with and in storytelling, talking about the complexities and the reasons for uh, things that may go on, the signposts that we may look for. And, and a lot of times, even then, things are missed. Um, so that's part, of, that's part of the story as well. Did you have an imaginary friend when you were growing up? I'm trying to remember. I My dad said that I started writing little stories when I was maybe like five or six, and I had little characters. Okay. <laughs> and I don't... Reoccurring characters? Huh? Reoccurring characters? Like a soap opera type of thing? Or, <laughs> or a comic strip? <laughs> what, what was going on with this? Reoccurring... <laughs> One was like a, a little bunny rabbit, and the other one was was some other uh, fuzzy creature, and and they had okay. names. I mean, you know, my love for books pro- was really fomented, um, probably by my my dad, because I remember he bought the, my first uh, book uh, special book collection was uh, Peter Rabbit. Oh, Peter Rabbit. Peter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about okay. Beatrix Potter. You know, he he was it was real ceremonial. He made a big deal about it. Really nice hardcover set, and um, you know he put a ribbon on it and everything. So my my introduction to books was presented as you know this is special. This is a place where you can uh, enter other worlds and and maybe understand some things. That that was kind of the orientation. 
So, but yeah, I, you know, as an only child, I always had a wild imagination. <laughs> I still do. Um, and I was always fascinated by the natural world, which is uh, a lot of that is in Creatures of Passage. I, I was always, always interested in um, space and time and um, the Big Bang and the evolution of the planet and species. And, and I think, um, you know, Washington, D.C. has changed and been versioned over so many times especially in certain areas of the city like Southeast Anacostia where it used to be very rural. Um, Mm -hmm. It was always, um, you know, I mean, my family came to um, Southeast Washington from, from the South, from Georgia back in the early 1900s. Your grandmother was the first female cab driver. Do you remember her being a cab driver? One of the first? No, <laughs> no. One of one of three. She was one of the first three black female black female cab drivers in the city. Wow. And so, yeah, you know, and and I the irony here is, you know, the time we spent together was always consumed by her garden. You know, she had this huge garden in Anacostia. So my orientation was learning things from her about life while we were gardening as a kid mm-hmm. but she didn't, mm-hmm. she didn't she didn't really talk about um you know the the cab driving i mean this is the 60s when she was driving cab yeah. so you know this is, this is before i was born but you know as a writer um <laughs> you can be inspired by many things and and the great thing about literature is you can take um, something that you find interesting or inspiring and then extrapolate a world, in, you know, a whole world based on that. So, you based know, the seeds, of creatures, um, the seeds of the book really came from me wondering about the people who got into her car and where yeah. they went and, and, you know, what was it like to navigate Washington through that era? Um, now, the, the, and, there's two main characters, uh, like uh, the brother and the sister, but they're in two different mm-hmm. realms. Um, well, so we think, because that is mm-hmm. the fluidity of the storyline, uh, is that there's the now and the here, and then there's over there. But is over there really over there? Because, it, you know, it, it, so it's like uh, water, you know, um, I feel like yeah. it, it, you were un- underwater in the book, not in a bad way, like, you know, I'm scared underwater, but like, you know, I'm underwater and these are all the different fish. And I mean, I say fish, but people, and, um, some of them are able to go up top, you know, <laughs> and, and yeah. some are, yeah. you know, uh, in, in stay in the water. Don't ever, don't ever go up. But, um, one of the things that you deal with are these the brother and sister and trauma. So much trauma happened in this book. The brother and sister, the the sister, the the the, the Rosetta. She's a prostitute, and what happens to her? And and somehow mm-hmm. they're all interconnected with this dude Mercy, who also had trauma. He did. Like Mercy, did. Had, like and the name and, and your name. <laughs> Your names are really cool. That you, the, the names that you give the characters are great. Um, like, you know, you, you find out sometimes in the book, I don't want to give certain things away, but 
particularly Mercy is an interesting name for who he is. I won't say who he is, but I'm just going to, that's really interesting. And then the, the, you find out about the brother and sister. How do you keep everything in line? Because you have these like different worlds blending together. Do you have some kind of chart or grid or, like, I mean, when you get to chapter, <laughs> you, you when you know get to what? chapter 34, like... you know, what do you got? Oh, I got to go back. Did I already say that? Was it blue or was it purple? <laughs> like, how do you remember? <laughs> well, it's it, back to the painting. So, you know, novel writing for me is like a big mural, right? Like a okay. huge wall mural. So I write mm-hmm. different parts of the book. I'm writing different parts of the book at once. So it's not a linear process. I might be linear okay. with, a, with a single chapter. But it's, um, you know, it, it's, I move the pieces around in my head or on the on the computer until the the, the mural kind of until I can kind of stand back and look at the story and say yeah 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 that's what I wanted to say a little light here a little more dark here a little more blue here so it it sounds weird but that's the process but in terms of the twins Osiris and Nestus you know I'm I've always loved um research I've you know big research I, I'd love to go look up stuff and I read all kinds of things so I you know Egyptology was always fascinating to me it's one of the oldest storytelling you know really where all, um, all pretty much all of the myths and legends come out of Egyptology in one way or another so mm-hmm. you know the name, the names of the characters I had a, a, a great deal of fun with because the Osiris and Nephis are two Egyptian deities, and they're named after, the characters are named after these deities because of the characteristics that they have. So Nephthys is a friend of the, you know, friend of the, the dead, friend of helping people cross over. She's the ferryman. That, that's her function in Egyptology. So Nestus Kinwell, in her cab on a on a very functional, gritty city level, is doing the same in thing. In her cab that she said she couldn't drive. That's the crazy part. <laughs> she says, I don't know how to drive. But then she gets into this car, and then she's able to drive. So there's, there's a magic <laughs> aspect of it uh, in there. Um, go ahead. What else yeah, are you going to say yeah. about them? There's, there's quite, and, and then some of the characters are named after, you know, what they do, like find out, you know, a typical mm-hmm. uh, black community where you call somebody based on what they do, not necessarily their name. So he finds yeah. out things, but he's, he's modeled after Anubis, the, the god of, of all lost things, of lost souls, and okay. his function is very much in line with that in the story. Um and then, of course, Osiris, you know, who's broken up into many pieces of himself in the original Egyptian mythology. And this happens to him mm-hmm. in a very tragic way, in, in a real way. But both yeah. of them, twins, you know, I made them twins because it's, I, well, they're twin deities anyway, in, in, according to the mythology. But as twins in the story, it, I thought it was interesting just to have them both traveling, you know, one from... The, the land in one in the land of the living and the other on on the other side of of death's door, so to speak the, there are and, people though that don't want to go to death 
you know, you have some characters. And, and as humans, we all know that we're going to die, but we, we don't want to die, like, in general. I mean, you know, some people yeah. have different reasons that they want to. Um, and in and, and families, we don't talk about death. Has death been talked about in your family? Was death ever talked about to you uh, uh, growing up? Do you remember your first funeral that you had to go to? Yeah, and my very first funeral that I ever went to was my mother's. You know, mm. death was really, really always kind of um, close in. I mean, I I lost my mother right before I graduated college, and she, you know, was it, it was like a ridiculous age to be dying. She was only forty, but wow. you know, it, mm-hmm. yeah. So you know, we had to watch. You know, I had to. I had a front row seat and had to watch the whole thing go down. But we would have these. We would have these chats in the hospital. You know, she was at Howard University Hospital, and we would have these existential conversations. And she'd say, "You know, I'll I'll be here with you after I'm gone." We would have these discussions about you know. So the her she was always concerned about the living, and and I I always remembered. Um, the the interesting thing about how the people who are so close to death are more concerned for they're more worried about the living than than themselves, um, mm-hmm. and that that's where a lot of that um, chapter in the book comes from. Requiem for the living, you know, where the the dead worry about their loved ones even after they're gone. Well, that was a very real um, type of experience uh, for me. And I yeah. think, um, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, you start kind of thinking about those things as as kids get older. My father's much older now, and you know, you lose aunts and great aunts, and you know, you start really thinking about what you carry with you even after they're gone. Yeah, and and also what you did, what did you share of your life? While you were alive, did you get done what you needed to get done? Uh, you know, mm. what else could you have done? The regrets that you have. One of the issues you talk about are a mental illness, or the appearance yeah. of mental illness. Um, and your characters have special abilities, which in real life somebody might say, "Oh, they have a mental illness." Mm-hmm. What do you think we can do as a community to help people? deal with mental illness, except maybe they have an issue or not, and maybe they have a gift. How do we discern that? It's a thing where older community, I mean, I remember my aunts and great aunts talking about, um, you know, and they say, oh, he's just a little trouble or he's just a little, you know, he just needs a little more time kind of thing. So I think that the mental illness was always there, but that it was a different way we recognized it. I think over time, that with the breakdown of our communities and, and extended families, there's less um, of that recognition and acceptance and support of of, uh, of mental illness within the family just because we've had to fragment so many times over to survive the the multiple issues that we've had to deal with generationally. But I think, you know, first recognizing it, um, 
And also, I've always been fascinated. You know, there's very little still, even with all of the science, there's very little still that that modern science understands about the mind and how the mind works. Um, and I think... Well, um, we only use a small portion, supposedly, we only of the vast, small, of, vast amount of it. We only use a small portion. Some people supposedly use more than others. And, and that goes to my point of some people have gifts, what we call, uh, you know, they can see things before they happen. We know people like that. Like, yeah. I, you know, we know there's people, and it's like, oh, my God, John said that last week. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, you know, he did. Or, yes. you know, the, the women, you know, I mean, if we go to witch hunts, you know, mm-hmm. that part of that was, women having some power to heal using the earth. Uh, but then some cases, I'm sure they had other abilities that scared the church and that scared, scared that, that scared people and they didn't know how to, wh- what box to put it in. So um, they didn't know what to put it in. Exactly. I mean, I have family members who, you know, they, they would have a dream and then it, it would be, they call and say, tell you what the dream was. And then, lo and behold, you know, it's really scary, <laughs> you know. But, yeah. but it was, there was no, you know, there was no fear so much of, in, not in a bad way, but just recognizing that there are other layers of understanding and existence um, that we may not um, readily be aware of. Um, but I think, you know, the mental illness itself is, is something that's, that's always been um, an element in our community. Some of it is induced by the, the sheer scope of, of trauma that we've had to deal with. And some of it is, I think, a way that some of us have, you know, stepped outside of what was caging us um, yeah. in, in, order well, to, have, in order to be. We have the issue of racism. You, you talk about that in the book. Um, we have the issue of PTSD, you have the issue of molestation. So there's a lot of things that could break somebody you have in this book, and people are dealing with it in different ways. Some are hiding, you know, some are running. And um, one of the things, I played the veterans PSA because you do have a, a, a veteran in the, in the storyline, and he's mm-hmm. having what we would consider a PTSD uh, Absolutely. From from his from his experience in, in the war, and we don't really honor the veterans. We don't really give them the support they need. They're going out there to risk their lives for our freedom, and whether they like whether we like it or not, it impacts them, and then it also impacts their families. I just did a show about PTSD and how that not just the person, but the families and then the communities. So we we have to have to face up to that and and deal with it head on and provide support. Mm-hmm. So I I played that PSA. Now what's coming on the horizon for you? What's next? Should I ask about what's next? Are you brewing something in the pot like a witch? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's some in the cold. There is something in the cauldron. Yeah, but you know those those are all. <laughs> Those are all classified. She <laughs> <laughs> said, if, I, if I give you some sugar, if I give you some sugar or some candy, I can't get a little something, something. You know, 
if people read the book, they'll understand me saying that. If I give her some 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 candy, so so just read the book, uh, and you'll understand that. Um, you know, because that that heals all wounds. Sugar, you know. Um, at the same time, it can be saccharin. Uh, unfortunately, there's another aspect, um, which if you read the book, you'll, you'll understand. Wonderful characters, like a painting. Different people have different colors. I think that yeah. goes to maybe your influence of your mom in there. And uh, it's funny. We have similar things. Like last time we were talking about listening to jazz while you're writing and how I had in my yep. family jazz. And then you talked about your mom. Well, my dad was a painter also. And I remember standing over his shoulder. Oh. He'd be listening to Pat Metheny, and he'd be doing abstract painting with acrylic. Ah, see? So, so we have a lot of similarities in in in, in our in our upbringing, um, and maybe that's why I'm drawn to to the books. Um, and I I feel uh, kindred, so to speak, spirits there. But what are you reading when you're not writing? Um, I love to read the the all the old classics. You know, all my heroes, with the exception of Edward P. Jones, he's still around, but. You know they're they're all dead. <laughs> they're all dead. So, you know, I, I'm reading old Faulkner books. I'm reading Toni Morrison books that I've you know read multiple times. I'm I'm reading. Um, Do you ever read uh, Octavia yeah. Butler or uh, Ursula? Sure, sure. Parable of the mm-hmm. Sower. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Now you know they have this yeah. series. Um, it's based on a comic um, called Sandman. And it's dealing with dreams. He's the god of I, dreams. I don't know. You might like that. Um, I, there's no money. This is not a paid advertisement. But it, it made me think about your realms, and there are realms. Uh, and, and you might be interested. Check it out. It's called Sandman. It's actually based on a comic by Neil Gaiman. And um, it's on, uh, I think it's Netflix. It's on Netflix. But I, I would read the comics actually first. The, the comics, I think, are better than the show. But, but, again, it's just reminding me of your different realms that you have and dreams, the power of dreams that are in your stories and things like that. Um, do you watch TV or are you like a not – do you watch TV or are you a non-TV writer? I, I, do, I do watch some TV. I like sci-fi, of course. Um, I, I still enjoy the X-Files. Um, and some of the – some of the um, – you know, films, you know, great films from, from back in the day I still enjoy. You know, so mm-hmm. in my cauldron, you know, I'm, I'm working on a, a fancy <laughs> project in my, in my cauldron now, you know. And, yeah, uh, yeah. again, very visually based, very, very imagistic uh, ingredients. <laughs> so stay tuned. Now, if you, had a, if, if you had a superpower, what would your superpower be? Oh, um, to be able to control water. Okay, okay. And if you yeah. had to go to Mars, what three things would you take with you? A compass, a telescope, so I could see what's further out, um, and a map, so I could write it down. Mm. Now, if you had $100, what would you do with it? I'd probably bury it under a rock. <laughs> and and what is the, what's the purpose of that? What's the purpose of burying under a rock? 
Because I'm thinking it, it wouldn't, what could I use it for? What would it be of value for? I wouldn't know until I saw it. So if I buried okay. it under a rock and, and then, you know, one day, I, if, if the opportunity or need came up and if it was mm-hmm. enough, then I'd go back and get it. Okay, I see. I understand. Now, what's your favorite food dish? Are you a breakfast, lunch, or dinner person or dessert? I got to say, I love crabs. Okay. And what do you crabs put on them? What kind of seasoning? Crab uh, oh, crabs and chocolate cake. If there was a if there was a dish of the gods and and I was in the heavens, I would ask for a tray of crabs and a slice of chocolate cake, and then I'm good. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'll have to have some chocolate ready for you next time uh, you come on. And I'm going to give away some copies of your book. Oh, let me tell the audience where they can reach you on social media. What's what's your handles on the social media? Oh, sure. So uh, my website is www.maroayejaday.com. And then on Twitter, it's maroayejaday. I'm also on Facebook as well. Excellent, excellent. So follow her there so you can find out what's coming next in her cauldron. And uh, check out her books. The first one is excellent as well, Time of the Locust, and and this one, Creatures of Passages. And uh, that's all I can say. That's all she wrote. (laughs) Enjoy. Enjoy. Yes, enjoy. (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) Um, All right. You have a... <laughs> you have a great weekend, okay? You do the same. Okay, talk to you later. Okay, bye bye. <laughs> Thank you everybody for tuning in. I'm gonna give away some copies of the book. So you wanna follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also check me out on Facebook Saturday mornings with Joy Keys and on Instagram Saturdays with Joy Keys so you can find out how to win and you will be emailing the answer to Saturdays with Joy Keys at hotmail.com. It'll be the first person usually that answers the question that will get a copy of the book. And, you know, I give away other things, gift cards and stuff like that, tickets to things. So, again, follow on social media to have an opportunity to win. If you miss the show, check them out on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, as well as here at Blog Talk Radio. And you can donate to the show via PayPal, Saturdays with Joy Keys. Thank you guys so much for your support. I hope you guys have a a great weekend, and and maybe you'll have some crabs and chocolate cake. (laughs) Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Our veterans put everything on the line to protect our freedom. We may never be able to repay them for their sacrifice, but we can show them just how much we appreciate all they've done. You can help by simply sharing your time, lending a warm smile, a supportive hand, or a sympathetic ear to someone who needs it. Everyone can do something to make veterans know just how much we appreciate their service. Please visit www.volunteer.va.gov. What will you do?